This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you that are watching today. It's likely that we have those watching today for the first time. We want to thank you for tuning in. Today on our program, we're going to be discussing a theme that touches the lives of every one of us, seeing the unseen. What do we mean when we talk about seeing the unseen? And is it possible for us to do that today? Stay tuned. Now on Getting to Know Your Bible, we continue to offer the free Bible correspondence course. And this is a course designed to help you in your study of the Bible and in your understanding of what God would have you to do to please Him today. We want you to have the course in order that you might know more about the course, in order that you might be able to receive the course. We want to give you that information at this time. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 16, the Apostle Paul wrote, Therefore we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for well, the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We live in the best of times and in the worst of times. We're living in a time where we have so many blessings, blessings that God has showered upon us, we live in a time where men have used their ingenuity to create and to develop some things that make our lives so pleasant and so good. But we also live in a time of skepticism, a time of doubt, a time of just outright infidelity. If there was ever a time that we needed to have strong faith, surely, just surely, it is in the day in which we presently live. What we need is strong faith in God like that of Abraham. Paul wrote about Abraham's faith in the fourth chapter of Romans. He said he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, 
but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, for he was persuaded that what he had promised he was able also to perform. So the kind of faith that Abraham had in God was strong faith, unstaggering faith. And that's the type of faith that all of us should desire for ourselves today. Strong faith, a faith that will not waver. It is important that we have that faith. It is important that we have that faith because the Bible teaches we will never be able to please God unless we have it. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 reads, Without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe, must believe that He is. So you cannot please God without faith. It is important to have faith because this is the way that we are to conduct our lives day in and day out. Romans 1.17 says that the just shall live by faith. And we are to walk that way. Ours ought not to be a walk of doubt and our walk of skepticism. Ours ought to be a walk of faith. 2 Corinthians 5 and 7 reads, we walk by faith, but not by, uh, by, not by sight. Many walk by sight. They're not going to accept certain things unless they can see it, touch it, feel it. But we're to walk by faith, not by sight. The definition of faith in Hebrews 11 and 1 underscores that. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is believing in the reality of those things that we're not able to see. We need strong faith today. Some of the most real things of life are things that we're not able to see with the human eye, but we make uh, too much of the things that we can see. But that's a great mistake. First John chapter 2 and verse 17 says that the world passeth away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. The things of this world are not going to last. And it is a mistake for us to put our confidence and our trust and stake all of our hopes on things that we can see. That is, the things that we can touch, the things that we can feel, that we can see with our human eye. We need to put our faith and our confidence and our hope and our trust those things which cannot be seen with the human eye. That is, we need to have great faith in God. In the text that I read in the very beginning, Paul makes the observation that we do not lose heart. We faint not, if you're reading from the King James translation. We're not going to faint. We're not going to lose heart. What was it that kept Paul going? Why, in spite of all of the obstacles that faced him in his life, 
was Paul able to go on? And I submit to you, the thing that kept Paul going was his ability to see the unseen. He had faith in those things that could not be seen with the human eye, and that faith was the motivation that Paul had just to keep on keeping on even when the going got tough. What will seeing the unseen do for an individual? One of the things that seeing the unseen will do, it will help you to remain faithful and loyal to the Lord himself. The book of Hebrews was written for that purpose. Paul, the writer of the book of Hebrews, if it is the Apostle Paul, was trying to encourage those Hebrew Christians to remain faithful to the Lord. There was the danger that they would begin to compare all of the pomp and ceremony and ritual that, to which they were accustomed under the law given by Moses and they would compare all of that with the relative simplicity of Christianity. And they would be tempted to go back to their former days. That's why in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1, the Bible says to stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made you free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Paul in, to the Galatians encouraged them to remain loyal and faithful to God. The book of Hebrews was written for that purpose. For example, in the second chapter of the book of Hebrews, the Bible says, seeing that let us uh, 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 hold fast to the things at which we have heard or give heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should drift away. There's the danger of drifting away from the Lord. So the book of Hebrews was written to keep them from doing that very thing. And in the 11th chapter is emphasized the importance of one retaining his or her faith in God. There are numerous examples of faith that are given. For instance, in the fifth verse, there is the faith of Enoch. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death. In the seventh verse, there is the faith of Noah. By faith, Noah was being warned of God of things not seen. Notice that. Of things not seen as yet, moved with fear. Prepared an ark to the saving his house by the which he condemned the world and became the heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Noah lived his life by faith. And that example is given to those Hebrew Christians to encourage them to remain faithful. Then in verse 8, he mentions the faith of Abraham. By faith of Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive or an inheritance, obeyed, for he went out not knowing whither he went. He had no idea where he was going. The Lord said, go. He packed up, and he took off doing the very thing God told him to do. So Abraham lived his life by faith. So the faith of Abraham is held up as an example to those Hebrew Christians in order that they might remain faithful to the Lord. So over and over again in that 11th chapter, 
which is sometimes called Faith's Hall of Fame. They're examples of great men and women of faith to encourage those early Christians to remain faithful to the Lord. Now, have you ever wondered why some people do not remain faithful to the Lord? Perhaps you know someone right now who at one time served the Lord unswervingly. You know someone at one time was zealous for God. They were a virtual ball of fire for God. But now they are cold. Now they're inactive. Now they don't even attend the services of the church to worship the Lord on the Lord's day. What happened to them? Something happened to their faith. Have you ever wondered about that? Have you ever wondered why there's some people that can be faithful to God and there are some people who cannot? Have you ever wondered why there are some people that will take the time to read the Bible, to study the Bible, and to meditate upon the Bible and attempt to carry it out in their lives? And then on the other hand, there are some that never even pick up a copy of the Bible. As a matter of fact, they have no confidence in it. Have you ever wondered why there are some people who are kind and loving and, and, and they are forgiving and, and they are encouraging to other people. And there are some people who are harsh, some people who are unkind, unloving. Have you ever wondered why there are some people that are generous, people that will uh, give to help other people that are in need and who give to the Lord on the Lord's day as the Lord has blessed them and prospered them in a very generous and a very liberal way. And then on the other hand, you have people that God has blessed who would not give you a nickel. They would not do anything to help anyone else, even if that individual was in great need. Have you ever wondered the difference in people? I think one of the things that makes a difference in people is that some people see the unseen and some people do not. Some people have a great faith in God and some people do not. Do we see the unseen? Let me ask you about being in a worship service. When you're in a worship service, do you see the unseen? When, for example, you are observing the Lord's Supper. What do you see? Do you just see some unleavened bread and some grape juice? Is that all you see? Or when the Lord's Supper is being observed by faith, by faith, with the eye of faith, do you envision the body and the blood of our Lord. What do you see? Well, what do you see when an individual is being immersed into Christ for the remission of their sins? What do you really see? Do you just see a person getting wet all over? Or by faith do you see sins that are being washed away? Just what do you see? And then in a worship service, what do you see? 
If you were to visit a worship service of the Church of Christ this coming Sunday, well, what would you see in that service? Would you see people sitting there, some of them act interested, some may not? Would you just see a group of people coming together and picking up a book and then start singing some songs? And, and then a man stands up with a, another book in his hand and he starts talking to you out of that book. Is that all you see there? Or when you come into a worship service where songs are sung to praise God and prayers are prayed to the throne of God in heaven, and where his word is exalted as being the inspired word of God and our lamp to our feet and a light to our path, a guide for man today. All you see is just a group of people in there. Or with the eye of faith, do you see the Lord there? The Lord promised where two or three are gathered together in my name. There am I in the midst of them. So what do you see? You see, a person of faith envisions the Lord being there. And the fact is, when we worship, we are not there to be entertained because I am not the audience. The Lord is the audience in a worship service. We're there to praise the Lord, to honor the Lord, to worship the Lord. He is the one who is to be pleased with our worship. And so I repeat, we're not trying to be entertained. So in some places, the worship hour has turned more into a time to to please people and to entertain people. But worship is to be directed to the one that we cannot see, and to that is to God himself. Seeing the unseen, seeing the unseen will help us walk by faith, not by sight. And it helps us to remain faithful to the Lord. I fear that too many people are walking by sight rather than by faith. Do you remember the occasion when, when the Lord was walking on the water out to the disciples that were in a boat? And Peter said, now, Lord, why don't you just let me walk on the water as well? And for a time, Peter did walk on the water. And when he started looking at the waves rather than the Lord of the waves, he began to sink. Have you ever wondered how a man gets out of a boat to walk on water? Try, try to picture Peter trying to get out of that boat. He has one foot over him here in the, in the boat, and there's one foot in the water. Maybe he's just sticking his big toe down in the water to, to test the temperature of the water. He's got one foot in the boat, one foot in the water. It is not until you take that foot, other foot out of the boat that you begin to walk by faith. You walk leaning on the Lord, 
trusting Him, having faith in Him, that you're walking by faith. And I fear that, that we have too many people trying to live their Christian life, that, that as it were with one foot in the boat and one foot in the water, that is, they're not walking by faith. But seeing the unseen will help us to walk by faith. Something else that seeing the unseen will do, it, it will send you out into the fields of service. There is so much to be done for the Lord today. And sometimes those who are preachers and those who are elders, the leaders in the Lord's church, are perplexed about how the church can be motivated to begin to, to work and to be zealous, be really involved in what the, the church is trying to do. I, I think the, the, the reason some are not as motivated as they ought to be is they just don't see the unseen. In Hebrews chapter 12, let, listen to these words. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endeared, su endeared such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Jesus Christ endured that agony of the cross. Why? Because he envisioned all of those that were going to be saved by what he was doing on that cross. And friends, if we are saved, it will be because Jesus died on that cross and we accept that fact and we appropriate the benefits of his shed blood to our souls. Jesus could see the unseen. When we began to see the unseen, it's going to send us out into the fields of service. We'll take up our cross and we'll begin to follow him. We'll strive to help people that are in need. We'll share the gospel with other people. It will help us to be a worker for the Lord. There's a song that's frequently sung in worship services. I want to be a worker for the Lord. And if you want to be a worker for the Lord, the thing that will motivate you is not your fear of dying and going to hell. The thing that will motivate you to work for the Lord all the days of your life is your ability to see the things 
They cannot be seen with the human eye. That is, you've got faith in God. And our faith will also help us with the difficulties of life. Paul had difficulties. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he, he, in verse 8, he said, We are hard-pressed on every side. Well, how are you going to live your life, Paul, if you're hard-pressed? Listen to him. He said, Our light affliction. Now, how could you consider being beaten and stoned, being in a shipwreck, and the like, a light affliction? He considered it light because he compared it with a weight of glory. He was comparing it with something else. And when we compare the, our expectation of a, a home in heaven with the difficulties we down, have down here on this earth, then our difficulties are just a light affliction. But he said our light affliction, which is but for a moment, and, and yet the things that happened to Paul lasted for a lifetime. How could he refer to the problems that he had as being just for a moment? It was because he was comparing it with an eternal weight of glory. And when we compare the things that happened to us in this world, with the reward that is laid up for us, then we will be able to endure. Seeing the unseen will help you endure the difficulties of life. But seeing the unseen will console you in the hour of death. Stephen was being stoned. He saw the heavens open. Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And as it were to receive the sainted dead, when it comes our time to quit the walks of men, may God help us to have prepared for that step in our life and we can continue to serve the Lord because we know we'll have consolation and death. May I encourage you to become a child of God by believing on Jesus, repenting of your sins, confessing faith in Jesus Christ, by being baptized into Christ because Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. I want to thank you for watching Getting to Know Your Bible today. And may I invite you to visit the Church of Christ in your community. Also, I want to encourage you right now, pick up the telephone. Right now, call the number that you've seen on the screen and request the free Bible correspondence course. I want to thank you for watching today. Until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 
3-6-5-8-0. Or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles.